0: This is The Gathering Ottawa's message podcast and this week we're kicking off a new New Year's series called First Things First. Jeff's going to be talking about the one thing we need to do before anything else, love God. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com and just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. I don't know how many of you out there would consider yourself to be goal setters in life, but if you are, if setting goals and then kind of organizing your life around achieving those goals is your thing, then I'm guessing that this might just be one of the most exciting times of the year for you, right? New Year's resolutions time, time to reflect and to look ahead to who you want to be and to what you want to achieve in 2022. It's goal setting time for many people, New Year's resolution time. For me though, I'll be honest with you, I'm not much of a New Year's resolutions guy. I'm not, I've tried in the past, I've set fitness goals, for example, and weight loss goals, and I've gotten gym memberships uh, ships and I've started diets on January one. And I even one year bought a goal setting journal to kind of help me organize my life a little bit better and plan out my goals and how I want to achieve them and all that kind of stuff, which helped a little bit. But at the end of the day, New Year's resolutions is just not my thing. January is just not the best time of the year for me. It's just too dark and cold out there. It's winter. My motivation levels are low. And so oftentimes by the end of January, I've already failed. I've already kind of slipped back in to my old way of living. And so I don't typically set new year's resolutions anymore because I don't like feeling depressed any more than I already might be in January. Uh, Now don't get me wrong. I believe in the importance of setting goals. And I believe in the importance of organizing your life around uh, some sort of plan in life, a plan that will help you to achieve those goals, whatever those goals may be, whether they be physical fitness goals or, or personal goals or work goals or spiritual goals or whatever. It's important to set goals in life, especially if you're a leader. I just prefer to do that towards the end of the summer Instead of in the middle of the winter, I prefer to do it when September is approaching and it's nice and it's warm out and the kids are getting ready to go back to school and the new ministry year is on the horizon and I'm beginning to plan out uh, my ministry season, ministry season for the fall and for the coming year. That timing just seems to work better for me. Whatever the case though, whether you're a January person, a New Year's resolution type of person, or like me, more of a summer and September type person, or whether you're maybe not even much of a goal setter at all, I think we can all agree that whether we like New Year's resolutions or not, that January, the New Year, is just a great time for us to pause and to reflect a little bit and to take stock of our lives and consider what matters most. It's why, over the next three weeks, as we launch into the new year together, we're going to be focusing in on this theme, not the theme of setting goals and New Year's resolutions and that kind of thing, but of what, according to Jesus, should matter most in our lives as we set those goals and as we make decisions and as we think ahead to what we want our lives to be. Where, in a first things first kind of way, before we get too far down the road of planning out our lives, we look to Jesus and to the values and the priorities that he would invite us to build our life upon. It's what this short three-week series, First Things First, is all about. Or before we get too far down the road on setting goals and plans for our life for the year ahead, we wanna just press pause first through this series and ask the question, what matters most? What matters most? Specifically, what foundational values and priorities and choices would Jesus himself be inviting us in a first things first kind of way to start with? As we look to the year ahead and maybe plan some goals and try to figure out what we want our life to look like in 2022. What is it, according to Jesus, that matters, that really matters the most? That's the question we're going to be focusing in on over the next three Sundays. And so what we're going to do each week in this series is talk about a different value or a different priority that uh, I believe we see Jesus in the scriptures inviting us to grab hold of and to build our lives upon. Three foundational choices, really, that according to Jesus, every follower of Jesus must make before she or he makes any other choices in life. Really, it's a first things first big rocks in the jar type of conversation, a conversation about what matters most, what's to be our priority as followers of Jesus. We're going to talk about three priorities, with the first one this morning being this. It's to love the Lord your God with all that you are. That's it. Or before we choose anything else for our lives, And before we set any goals or make any plans or any major life decisions, Jesus invites us first to love the Lord your God with all that you are, with every fiber of your being. We see this in a couple different places in the scriptures and in the life and teaching of Jesus himself. We're in Matthew 22 in a story that also appears in slightly different variations in both Luke And Mark, Jesus, is asked an important question by an important man. A man that Matthew describes as an expert in the religious law, or some other translations simply call him a lawyer. Not a criminal lawyer, but a religious lawyer of sorts. A Pharisee who really knew his stuff. He was highly educated, and he really knew his way around the Mosaic law, around the Jewish law. He was an important man with an important question, for Jesus, a theological question, an ethical question of sorts. If you got your Bibles, look with me at how Matthew frames that question in verses 35 and 36, where we read this. One of them, one of the Pharisees, an expert in the religious law, a lawyer, tried to trap Jesus. or or tried to test him in order to get him to say something controversial with this question. Here's the question, the important question that this man had, verse 36. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Or in other words, teacher, meaning rabbi, which Jesus was, What of all the rules and commandments in the entire Mosaic law, which is found in the first five books of the Old Testament, which commandment would you say matters the most? Which rule, which commandment, according to you, Jesus, is of first importance? What rule matters most to God? Which at first glance might seem like a fair, if not sincere, question from this lawyer. After all, there is much debate amongst the rabbis about which of the 613 commandments found in the Mosaic Law was to be regarded as the greatest of them all. Not that any of the commandments should be ignored or disregarded, it was argued, but that certain commandments should and could be treated with a little bit more weight than the others. Like the Ten Commandments, for example. And the commandment, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not Murder. That commandment, it was said, was more weighty and more significant than a, a commandment like one that you find in Deuteronomy 14, where we are told not to cook a baby goat in its mother's milk, which, by the way, is a real commandment in the Jewish law. Deuteronomy 14, look it up. It's a law that God put in place in order to physically protect his people from a health and safety perspective and to keep them from getting Sick as I guess this was a problem back in the day. People were like, let's cook goats in their mother's milk. I don't know why that happened, but that was happening. The point is this. You've got two commandments here, right? With murder being up here uh, and then goat milk being down here. Both commandments were important for different reasons, the rabbi said, but clearly one, do not murder, was more important than the other, than boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk. However, the scriptures aren't clear about whether or not you're allowed to boil people you don't like in goat's milk, but that's a whole nother story. I think that might count as murder, so that, that one's probably out as well. But you get the idea. All of the 613 commandments in the Jewish law were important, but some, namely the 10 commandments, were considered more important or more weighty or more significant than some of the others. And so this led to some debate amongst the rabbis like if some commandments were more weighty or more important than others, then which one is most important? That was the question, right? Is it thou shalt not murder? Because that one feels pretty important. Or is it maybe thou shalt not steal? Or thou shalt not commit adultery? Or thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy, perhaps? Or how about Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not you know, make any graven Im- images and, and worship them. That one feels like a pretty big one too. Which commandment, not just of the 10 commandments, but of the 613 found in the Mosaic law, which one was most important, they asked. And on and on they would go, debating which one mattered the most. And there was a good case to be made for a whole bunch of them. And so here in Matthew 20, to this lawyer on behalf of the Pharisees, he took the debate directly to Jesus, who was a rabbi himself, but not because he wanted to hear Jesus's opinion about this question and not because he wanted to learn from Jesus and his perspective on the law, but because he wanted to trap Jesus, as Matthew clearly pointed out, where the Pharisees wanted Jesus to end up saying something incriminating, something controversial, something that they could jump on in order to discredit him and to damage his reputation as a trusted teacher and rabbi in the community, since there was no possible way that you could answer this question without suggesting that other commandments didn't matter that much. And this would open the door to much debate and mudslinging and an opportunity to discredit Jesus in front of a bunch. people, That's what this whole thing, this whole question was really about. Uh, But Jesus, in his brilliance, he knew exactly what this lawyer and his Pharisee friends were up to. And more than that, unbeknownst to them, because Jesus was actually God in the flesh, and because Jesus was actually the author of the Mosaic law through Moses as God in the flesh, he actually knew, he legitimately knew the answer to this question. He, he knew in a first things first kind of way what actually mattered most to God because he was God. He knew how to answer the question, which commandment matters the most. And so look at what he said in verse 37. He says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, as well as all your strength, as both Luke and uh, Mark include in their version of this story. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus says. Basically, love God with all that you are. Verse 39, a second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor As yourself. We're going to talk about this one next week. And then he says this in verse 40. He says, The entire law, all of the Mosaic law, the entire Jewish law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Or in other words, Jesus says, Do this, love and you won't have anything else to worry about. You won't have to worry about any of the other commandments because love, according to Jesus, both loving God and loving people is the greatest commandment of all. Choose love before you choose anything else, and you'll always end up choosing the right thing. That was Jesus's point. That was his brilliant answer. That is what he said is the most important commandment of them all, to love God. Or to worship God, to desire God first, he says. And if you do that, everything else will be okay. And you will find yourself living faithfully to God each and every day. The question then for us is this. It's what does it look like to love God in this way with all that we are, as Jesus calls us to. Like like, practically speaking, how do we do this? How do we live this out? What does it look like for us to make love for God a first things first priority in our daily lives, both in 2022 and just in general? Well, Jesus gives us some pretty good hints in this passage, doesn't he? Where first of all, right away in verse 37, he says this. He says, first, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart he says. Now what does that mean? To love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, the word heart here, it's an important word to understand in the Bible. Typically for us here today, uh, when we metaphorically talk about our hearts, what we're mostly talking about are our emotions and our feelings about something. For example, sometimes we'll use expressions like, my heart stopped beating when we feel afraid. Or we'll say he or she captured my heart when we feel attracted to someone or when we're telling this story about when we first fell in love. And when we want people to feel what it is that we're feeling in a conversation or when we want them to understand our, our motivations and intentions, we might say something like, I just want you to hear my heart on this or I want to share my heart. With you. Now, why do we say things like these? It's, it's because typically in our modern world, when we talk about our hearts, what we're really talking about are our emotions and our feelings. But in the ancient world and the world of the Bible, the word heart speaks to so much more than just our emotions and our feelings about certain things or certain people. It includes our emotions and our feelings, but it is not limited to that. It also includes, for example, our wills, and determinations, and our desires, and our longings, and our true, often hidden intentions and motivations in life. It's basically a word that the Bible uses to essentially describe everything that's going on underneath the hood in our lives, in our inner selves. Every emotion, every motivation, every desire, every determination, even every wound, every scar, all of it. It's like The rudder of our ship, the heart is. The steering wheel of our lives, it will direct us more than anything else will. It's why the Bible has so much to say about our hearts. Using that word over a thousand times, warning us of the evils of the heart. Where, for example, in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, we are told that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. But then also the Bible invites us in Proverbs 3, for example, to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and to lean not on our own understanding And so when jesus here in matthew 22 says to love the lord your god with all your heart as he talked a lot about the heart as well it was a major theme of his in his ministry major theme of the bible but when jesus talked about loving the lord your god with all your heart it's important to understand that he's not talking about loving the lord your god with all your feelings alone or to chase after emotional highs with God, or to only express love for God when you feel like it, like when you're singing or listening to Um, an emotional worship song or something like that. A song that gives you all the chills and warm, fuzzy God feelings and stuff like this. He's saying, yes, love God with your emotions for sure. When you feel prompted to respond emotionally to God, then do so. But don't just depend on your emotions alone because your emotions will deceive you. You must also love God with all your heart, even when you don't feel like it. And you must lay down your motivations and intentions before him and invite God to examine your heart and your motivations. You must love God with your desires and your longings as well by surrendering them to him. And you must love God with your hurts and your pains and your wounds as well from your past, allowing him to heal you up and to change you from the inside out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, Jesus says. Or in other words, with all your inner Self, surrender your heart to him, he's saying. Give him permission to renovate your internal life. Be honest with him and let him change your desires, change your motivations, change the makeup of your heart and to heal you from the inside out. That's what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's to give him our internal selves, our internal lives. The next thing then that Jesus references here is our soul, saying that we are to love the Lord our God with all our soul. Now, what does it mean to do that? To love God with all our soul. Well, the word soul here, it's actually a very similar word to the word heart as it speaks largely to the inner life of a person and to our thoughts and our emotions and our motivations and our desires and our personalities and all that kind of stuff. The soul really is part of the heart, part of the inner self, Of a person however translated directly from the greek here in this passage the word soul simply means this it means breath or life breath or life and it speaks to this idea of loving god by surrendering your entire life your very breath to him inviting him to be lord over every breath that you take every step that you take Every move that you make, like the police tell us about, I guess, I'm not sure that that's what they're singing about, but you get the idea. It's to surrender our lives, our entire lives, to Jesus. Albert Barnes, who was an American theologian who lived in the 1800s, he put it like this, saying to love the Lord your God with all your soul means to be willing to give up the life to him, your very breath to him, and to devote it all to his service, to live to him, and to be willing to die at his command. That's what it is to love the Lord your God with all your soul. It's to choose each and every day to give God full and complete ownership of your life in the big decisions you make and in the small decisions that you make, as well as the words that you speak, the thoughts that you have, how it is that you spend your time and your money and your energy. It's to give God full and complete ownership of your life. Of your soul that's what it is to love the Lord your God with all your soul. It's to love the Lord your God with all your life and then next up in this passage Matthew 22 there's minds where Jesus says you must love the Lord your God not just with your hearts and your souls but with your minds as well now the word mind here it speaks specifically to our intellect and to our thoughts where we are invited to center our thinking on Jesus and his truth and who it is that he has revealed himself to be in the scriptures to us. Philippians 4 verse 8 here comes to mind where the Apostle Paul instructs us to fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, Paul says, and worthy of praise. This, in part, is how we love the Lord our God with all our minds. It's to choose to fix our thoughts on Jesus, the author of truth, and the author of honor, and the author of purity, and the author of beauty. And it's to train our minds to think of God, and to see and to notice God throughout our days, to be aware of his presence around us. And you know what? The best way that I know how to do this, to train my mind, to love the Lord, my God, with all my mind, it's this. It's to meditate intentionally each and every day on the scriptures, to read it, to memorize it, to study it, to pray it, to absorb it into my mind and my heart and my soul so that when I am tempted to believe a lie, a lie about myself or a lie about others or a lie even about God, or when I am feeling distracted in life, distracted by things that don't matter, or when I'm feeling discouraged, or maybe even depressed, my mind goes to scripture, and I, I, I look to the truth of Jesus in those moments, and I choose in that time, in that moment, to love the Lord my God with all my mind by focusing on truth. This, in part, is what it is to love God with our minds, in our intellect, in our thinking. It's to fix our thoughts on Jesus and to be intentional about thinking on God and what it is that he's doing around us throughout our days and becoming more and more aware of his presence with us. Easier said than done, but that's what we're invited into, to love the Lord our God with all our minds. Finally, then, the last thing Jesus says that we are to love the Lord our God with is this. It's our strength or our might, as some other translations put it. The only Luke and Mark include this word. Matthew doesn't include it in his version of the story. So real quick, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength? Well, simply put, it's this. It's to love God with every effort. To love God with every effort, not in an effort to earn God's love or grace because you can't earn God's love or grace. It's freely, freely given to us in Jesus, but in an effort to express God's love in us back to him in every way that we possibly can. It's to choose to love God by making everything we do an act of worship to him, our work, our play, Our interactions with others, our words, our actions, our care and concern for those in need, our humility, our acts of service, our life, where everything becomes an act of worship. That's what it is to love God with all your strength. It's to love God with every effort that you can muster in everything that you say and do. and To be intentional to love God with all that you are this, according to Jesus, is to be our top priority in life, our core value in life with him. First things first, it's to love, to love God with all that you are, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And so I wonder, as we enter into twenty. 22, how a love for God, this kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus spoke about here, how could this kind of love, being intentional to choose a love for God, how could that shape the goals and the plans that you set for the year ahead? Knowing that if you choose love for God before you choose anything else in life, you'll always end up choosing the right thing. You know, for a lot of people, uh, Christians even, just like the Pharisees and the lawyer in this story, they they tend to think that Christianity is all about our behavior and our beliefs. That if we just follow all the rules, making sure that our outer life looks clean and tidy and that we're living morally pure lives, if we just make sure that we believe all the right things and have the right doctrine and have all the right beliefs about God and about the Bible and about Jesus and all this kind of stuff, if we can just make sure all that stuff is in order then we'll be good and we'll be right with God and our lives will make sense. We'll live faithful lives to God. But Jesus here, he flips it on his head, doesn't he? And he says, no, you are not primarily your behavior and your beliefs. You know what you are? You are what you love. You are what you love. And so first things first, Jesus says, Don't love your life. Don't love your comfort. Don't love your money. Don't love your stuff. Don't love yourself. But love the Lord your God with all that you are. And then love your neighbor as yourself, as we'll talk about next week. Do this, and you won't have to worry about anything else. Do this. Choose this. Love for God before you choose anything else in life. And you'll always end up choosing the right thing because love is the greatest commandment. It is the top priority in a life of faith with Jesus, for every follower of Jesus. You know, ultimately, it was a love for God that drove Jesus to the cross. Do you know that? It's true. Yes, he died for you and he died for me and out of a love for us and so that we could be forgiven and made new and made right with God and and all that for sure. But first things first, It was love that drove Jesus to the cross. It was a love for and obedience to the Father that drove Jesus to give his life up on the cross, that drove him to give it all up. It was all for love. And now, by his Spirit, he invites us to do the same, right? to lay it all down for love, to love the Lord our God with all that we all are, our entire hearts, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength to lay it all down, no matter the cost for him to love God with everything. Because if we choose love for God before we choose anything else, we'll always end up choosing the right thing because love, love for God is the greatest commandment. It is what matters most. It is the biggest rock that we could possibly put in our jars. Do you have that kind of love? Are you living into a love, for God, you can. It's what we were created for. We are created to love God with everything that we are. And if we don't do that, nothing else will make sense. Let's live a life of love, love for God in 2022 together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be a people who love you desperately, who love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we confess that we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to do that, that we fail at this time and time again. That Because our hearts are so evil and wicked and deceitful, we often just end up loving ourselves and loving this world, loving the comforts of this world more than we do you. And so at the beginning of 2022, we just want to pause and say, God, would you change us from the inside out? Would you give us your heart? Would you do an inner work in us where we are able to, by your spirit, love you? And live for you. And so right now, God, we just take a moment to say, first and foremost, we want to love you with all of our hearts. We lay our motivations and intentions and uh, emotions before you and say, God, would you give us pure hearts? Would you give us a heart that is filled with love for you? And then we want to say uh, as well, God, that we We desire to love you with all our soul in 2022 as well, with our entire lives, with every breath that we take, with our entire lives. Teach us how to do that. And we wanna love you with our minds as well, with our intellect. We wanna learn how to fix our thoughts on you, Lord Jesus. Throughout the day, God, would you remind us of your presence with us? Would you give us a hunger, a desire for your words so that we can know you more? Would you give us the ability to memorize scripture, to take it into ourselves, to take it into our minds, so that it's there when we need it the most, so that we are aware of your presence with us, so that we can love you with all of our minds? And then, of course, God, we want to love you with all our strength as well, knowing that loving you requires effort. Not that we can earn your love, because You paid the price for that. You you already made your love available to us. There's no way we can earn it. But we want to make every effort to express our love back to you with our life, to live for you, to love you with our whole hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Give us the ability to make that effort by your Spirit this year, knowing that you have already made a way for us to experience the love of God. And now invite us to live freely into that freedom, into that love, into that life that you give us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Make us loving people. Help us to love you this year and beyond, we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're back next week with Jeff's second message in our First Things First series. This time he's talking about loving people. Don't forget to check out our website, thegatheringottawa.com and tune in next week to The Gathering Ottawa's message podcast.